There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Phil Dobby and welcome to another edition of the Debunking Economics Podcast with Professor Steve Keen. Today... Everyone likes to have a dig at the banks, they charge too much, they distort the economy, they don't invest enough in business, and many are looking to technology to sort out that imbalance, to remove the power of the bank. But are they expecting too much? After all, banks will always be banks. Yes, whether it's that peer-to-peer approach that puts lenders and borrowers together or cryptocurrencies that try and develop currency trading without the middleman, technologists are trying to find ways that banks are cut out of the equation. But will they succeed or do we actually need banks? Well, one of our listeners says he's got into cryptocurrencies because it was a way of avoiding the banks, uh, giving the beating of their own game because transactions are managed without the middleman. And that's very much the internet model, isn't it? For lots of things, we book hotels and airline tickets now without going to a travel agent. So we cut out, cut out the intermediary. Can technology mean we can ever really cut out high street banks? What do you reckon, Steve? Um it's possible in some parts of the world where banks are not um, not dominant, really like Africa, to imagine a world where it isn't banks people transact through. It would be mobile phones with transactions. And, in fact, it caused a lot of uh, some, some very innovative technology, which is obviously fintech style, um, because a lot of people don't have smartphones in Africa. What they've done instead is a lot of the phones transmit by you put the phone to, phone to a phone and then it sends a piece of sound, which is an encrypted uh, verification of the person's transaction. So they've been managed to so you put two phones together, bang, you transfer money between bank accounts, also linked to those telephones. Now there's a place where it's all been done by the telecommunications companies and the financial companies are out of the loop. Mm. But of course in the background you have a telecommunications company which is the central Yeah, it's acting, so, in effect yeah. acting like a bank itself, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, it's another, the whole definition of a bank, and this was what uh, Graziani, Augusto Graziani's uh, research as part of the, the circuit school of economic theory uh, was so important to me in, in building my own approach to modeling this stuff. I said that a, a transaction in capitalism involves promises to pay the third party. Now, that third party, he said, is nowadays a bank, but it doesn't have to be. In this case, it's becoming a telecommunications company. Now, what is, what, what is really the objective of the, the Bitcoin end of the cryptocurrency world is to get rid of that th- trusted third party completely. So rather than having a third party, they have what they call proof of work or or proof of, uh, I've forgotten the other one. I don't, I don't, I'm not an expert in the technology by any means. Um, but they have, have numerous people who are running computer pro, uh, programs trying to solve a set of mathematical puzzles that will generate a string of zeros. Uh, in, in, in the first person to find the right string of zeros to verify a particular block of transactions is valid, they both get the fees for the transactions and they get some yeah. portion of the Bitcoin that haven't yet been mined. Now, what that means is rather than having a single point 
which is doing the verification and the promise of a single. It's the it's the verification by a large array of people that this is a valid transaction. But by sidestepping banks, you're actually also saying we're sidestepping the regulators. And is that does that become uh, does that become an issue? Because um, you know, surely, I mean, it's fine that it's verified. You know, the transaction has happened. But is someone using it for money laundering for untoward purposes? I mean, do we do we need to regulate? I think the answer is yes, isn't it? I think so because what's what's actually happening a lot of the Bitcoin price, and this is admitted to by some of the people who are great fans of Bitcoin, is that um, the there are people doing what are called pump and dump strategies. So you have a group of people with a certain amount of Bitcoin in their possession who coordinate a buy at one particular point in time, coordinate it with people promoting Bitcoin on social media at the same time. Some fairly famous people have been accused of doing this uh, in, in return for a fee of Bitcoin themselves to push up the price. Mm. So they, they pump up the price. A lot of suckers come in rising and they also rather think it's going to be a rising tide and then the initiators sell out and cream the money coming in from the previous group now this was a common tactic in 19th century stock markets and one reason stock markets have been regulated ineffectively but not a, not a, a lot uh, is to stop this sort of thing happening so yeah. pump and dump schemes all that sort of stuff is quite illegal and anybody who does it uh, ends up with the corporate regulator stuff. I mean, the corporate regulator pretty ineffective, but that's the whole idea. It's an anti, anti um, exploiting the, uh, the the uninformed public. That's why insider trading is such a crime. You know, mm. so, so we're sidestepping <laughs> banks and we're replacing it with something which is potentially much worse. That's right, because this is why we regulated stock markets. Yeah. Now, I just haven't seen anybody whinging about regulation of stock markets, except that it's not effective enough. Yeah. And yeah, they said what's being allowed in Bitcoin and all the cryptocurrencies is stuff which is, for good reason, has been made illegal in, um, in stock markets. Now, Christine Lagarde from the IMF, uh, she wrote a paper uh, late last year for the Foundation for Economic Education. She says uh, she thinks uh, cryptocurrencies could replace existing financial systems. Not now. She thinks it's a way off in the future. She says they're too volatile, they're too risky, they're too energy intensive. And of course, that's the yeah. other, that's the other point that, you know, because you're tracking every single transaction, then it, you know, can only handle three transactions per second. So that's an issue if we were to see it as a common currency. Uh, and because, and related to that, then she says, you know, the underlying technologies are not scalable. Uh, many are too opaque for regulators. And some have been hacked, but many of these technological issues could be addressed over time, she says, and they could feasibly replace banks. But you do have that issue of uh, of obviously regulation. The other issue is um, is what about money creation? I mean, banks yeah, create, yeah. banks create money. Yeah, this this is. I mean, if I'm just say looking at the very first block in in Bitcoin right now, which you can find on the Wikipedia, of course. Actually, it's n.bitcoin.it slash wiki slash genesis underscore block. Uh, it says the Times, January third of January two thousand and nine. Chancellor on brink of second bailout for banks. Dot dot dot. So Satoshi. Um, literally wrote that code, that, that text, into the very first Bitcoin. So there's always been an element of, uh, of, of libertarian and justified rebellion against the banks built into these technologies. Now, the trouble is you can be so angry at your enemy that your anger means you don't analyse their tactics properly and you lose the battle with them. Mm. This is what I think has happened with Bitcoin because um, a, lot of, a lot of crypto people believe gold is money. Now, 
I've tried that myself. I've gone down to the shop with a bar of gold and tried to buy a, 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 a Cornetto and they won't yeah, take it. Those are, and, I haven't got change for that. Yeah, that's right. I haven't right. got change for that. Here's a piece of gold with little yeah. tiny sh- the slither shaved off the edge in change. Yeah, yeah. which is not, it, just, it simply doesn't happen. But they, what they want is a backed currency. They, their vision is that the, the whole problem of the financial system is fractional reserve banking um, and the fact that it's not backed by anything. And as I'm saying, Guys, fractional reserve banking is a textbook stuff up. It yep. doesn't happen. It can't happen. And money has never been backed by a commodity except during times of social breakdown like the Hundred Years' War, the Thirty Years' War in, in Europe where mercenaries refused payment in the king's coin because they weren't certain the king would be there to deliver on it. They wanted payment in silver or gold to fight their battles. But otherwise, we have always relied upon a credit system which the backing for which ultimately is the fact you're living in a particular country where that country's currency is accepted in transactions. So you accept the king's coin. Or you, this is the thing for Britain. So they don't realize they didn't hand around coin. They hand around sticks, little pieces of wood called tally sticks. That mm. was the basis of transaction. We've lost that record courtesy of burning down Parliament House in the early 1800s by accident. Um, but if we'd seen that, people would have been no doubt that it wasn't a silver or gold backing it was it was trust in the system that administered the tally sticks now the same thing applies today what actually enables us to do transactions if you and i might like might not like the banks we trust them that they will do when, when when you have a certain balance shown in the account if you say i want to withdraw that balance they say okay here's the cash or here's the transfer to Steve Keen's account to pay for that terrible podcast you did last week, yada, yada, yada. Um, it's the trust that is the element. And what they're saying, we don't want to have to rely upon a trusted third party. The trouble is what they've done has meant that you've got uh, you, you, you've you got still, you still got to have many, trust in the in the currency they've created. You still, you still and, got and, to, and 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 the people who are holding it. So there's so mm-hmm. much untrustworthy behaviour happening behind Bitcoin itself that they've brought themselves back into the wild west of, of pre pre regulated stock markets. So I mean, aside from cryptocurrencies, I mean there are technologies that exist, and you know I think there's a million of these now where yeah. people do you know a fairly good job of uh, matching investors with with companies. So we've got the money in from people who want to invest. We're going to loan that money out to uh, to companies that want to spend it, which uh-huh. is which is which is fine. You know, maybe you are doing that without involving banks, so you're sidestepping the bank. Yeah, but you're yeah. not. But you're not creating money in the way that banks can, are you? I mean, yeah, but, well, we, we don't have we, that, you don't have that license to print yeah, money in the well, way banks. This, can. this is part of where I got a bit distracted in the previous rave. Um, but that's what the, the bitcoiners themselves are against. They don't like the fact that banks can. They think money should be fixed. Mm. Now, so you don't spend and, it if it doesn't exist. Well, they're not so fixed. I've, I mean, I've got the guy called Mike Lavazza. I think one of the one of the uh, I get I've got him one of my Twitterer followers, and he's really this avid. Uh, you know, um, every time there's a chance to say money should be gold, should be money, and you shouldn't be able to create it, he'll come in there and show any stuff and have a tag it. And I can't be bothered replying to him. He's so damn. He just doesn't even listen. Mm. Okay, but that's that's the sort of message they don't believe gold. They believe there can be a world in which money does not increase in scale. That's fixed. And they think prices can fall. Now, that's a world without credit. And that's an interesting concept. Um, you could try it on Mars because there's no previous existing society that has to cope with it. But, and I, I would recommend against 
Elon Musk highly against doing that, by the way. Um, but you could give it a try there because it hasn't been done before. But they, they want a complete and utter social revolution, which they think is a return to normality. And this is partly the problem. It is It would be a totally new experiment to have a money supply which did not grow over time and prices having to fall and... Pardon me. Again, this is a, can be an economic myth that prices can adjust. Oh, pardon me. Too much. Uh, there's this economic myth that prices can adjust. So rather than having a rising amount of money, we can have falling prices. Uh, when you look at the at the actual history of price setting, it never falls that rapidly. The, near, the economic textbook myth, myth of a instantly adjusting price is another myth. And so they're combining a couple of myths out of economic theory that capitalism is a barter system and the prices adjust instantly and creating a, t- a currency based on those myths and they think they're being radical that's what bugs me they're not <laughs> so does that mean they're doomed to failure then just because of this inability to create money if you wh- whatever the system you're using whether it's a you know if you're if you're matching money if you're trying to take out that third party uh, that third party is the third party that's actually creating that extra cash. They're creating that that credit. If you don't do that, then it's just people with money lending to people who want money, uh, and that's going to slow the whole system down and also constrain the money supply. Yeah, I mean, you could also you could design a cryptocurrency where it was designed to grow over time. Uh, but the trouble is then again, how much is that an encouragement to sharks to get in there and sell your crap in the first place? Uh, to, to, to cream the money off for themselves. And this has been happening willy-nilly in some of the uh, like international coin offerings that are out there. Uh, I even saw there was one, there was one interna- in, uh, initial coin offering for a company which is going to produce organic bananas. <laughs> and, and, I mean, okay, maybe it'll work, but that, that just, that's just screwy uh, when you see that sort of stuff coming forward. And in that sort of world, you want to say, okay, Prove it. Show me the banana plantation, and that's where regulation comes in. Yeah, well, so, here's, the, so here's the thing. So Ross, who's uh, who's one of our listeners who uh, got involved in a in a, in a cryptocurrency, uh, was doing a, a, a travel around Europe trying to spend his cryptocurrency. And there right. are there are cash machines that where you can supposedly get the cash out, but guess what? They're always empty or weren't getting refilled, or he'd have to come back middle of next week to try and get a hold of his money. So it sounds like, you know, the, there's sort of an infrastructure being set up, but no one believes it. It's almost as though they've said, well, yeah, we'll, we'll create all of this. We'll allow people to speculate. Uh, we'll argue that, yes, you, you know, you can use it as real money, but we're not really going to put much effort into that. Really, it's just making a quid out of the speculation. that uh, And getting the price really- up. I mean, that's a huge part of one of the reasons the Bitcoin price rose so much is it was very easy to get in and extremely hard to get out. So there's buy side pressure built into the technology. So yeah, that's all these sorts of issues are coming forward now. And what you're doing is relearning some of the lessons that were learned during the 19th century, particularly in America and Australia, where they allowed private banks to develop the issue of their own money. And they, they, you find a wonderful collection of notes on the uh, on the internet, which are these notes. Uh, of the paper notes, obviously, uh, produces currency by private banks. Now, the private banks had to themselves get registered at a state level in most cases by showing they had a certain amount of land or asset backing, but they would do all sorts of fraudulent, nefarious stuff uh, once they'd issued the money to get it accepted for uh, either either real assets or for greenbacks and then disappear. And it was called the era of wildcat banking uh, because they said, if you, if, yes, it's easy to get uh, to get. Um, deposit your money when you wanted to withdraw your money the branch you had to withdraw was quote unquote where the wildcats are 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're getting a similar sort of thing happening now. Well, it, it, it does get to the case, doesn't it? That it, whatever you do to try and avoid banks, uh, you will, you're probably going to want to pull the same tricks at the end of the day, and uh, and that means that you do become a bank. So if you look at yeah. uh, if you look at uh, like people used to use Barter Card in Australia, uh, which allowed you to provide a service and get so much so much uh, for it, and those points could then be used to buy another service. The problem was it was never a service that you mm. you didn't get very much for it, and all the services Services you wanted to buy was stuff you didn't want anyway, so it didn't it didn't really work. There's this thing called money, which allows you to buy anything you want from from anyone, and that seems to work pretty well. So this this uh, this approach from Bartercard didn't work. But if they'd taken if they had got traction, uh, I guess the next stage they'd want to do then is to say, well, okay, when you want to buy something, what happens if you want to buy stuff that is more than you've earned? Well, let's give you the ability to borrow, and then you really are getting into money creation. They're creating their own barter dollars and the question is who's going to regulate them to make sure that they can pay that money back uh the answer is the regulator has to get involved then they then are a bank yeah i think this this is what's starting to dawn on people in various ways that um you can use the technology to replace some of the verification systems that exist in banks uh, I'm, I'm frank. I've got to look and see how does it actually do that. How does this proof of proof of work actually take the place of somebody checking and seeing whether that purchase by somebody in Denmark was actually by that person or by somebody who stolen their details? Um, but this is the the idea you can get rid of the centralised part. That is the thing which I think is a, a kill, another Achilles heel here, because with Bitcoin, the idea you have a huge number of people all competing to find it to prove that it's unique. That means an enormous amount of of, of data streaming around the internet uh, from one person, to, uh, one group, uh, a miner to another, until one is actually successful. So there's a gi- gigantic use of data, and of course also energy in the process too. Um, and maybe give up on the idea of having a distributed system, have a centralised one. The question is, how do you make sure you can trust the centralised one? That's more important than uh, trying to avoid the centralisation hole as well, as Bitcoin tries to do. And, of course, this thing's yes, you've just become a bank. Congratulations. Yeah, and if you, uh, and if you are using a... Like a distributed, well, it's a distributed ledger technology. I think is what they call it, isn't it? If you yeah. are, if you are doing that, then uh, yeah, how do you regulate? How do you see how this money is moving around? How do you prevent money laundering? And, and yeah, and then that's where the countries get involved as well, because and they're um, going to say, well, we want a centralized system. We don't like this distributed system because it's hard yeah. for us to track. And the regulators will come in and try to break it up, and they'll blame the regulators for doing it. But again, a lot of this um, stuff has been developed by libertarians that don't believe the state should exist. Mm. Uh, well. Whether you believe it or should or it, sh- it shouldn't, it does. Yeah. And if you're going to go to a world where, it, where you think it doesn't exist, um, then they go to Mars. You, should, you, should, you could expect them to fight <laughs> back. So tough shit, guys. I yeah. mean, if you're, if you're going to try to take on the state and believe you can get rid of it and get angry when the state comes back and tries to stop you, duh. So where does it end up? Here's a, here's a pretty good analogy. Skype was uh, set up as a distributed way of handling phone calls. The idea was that you, uh, you know, it wasn't centralised. You pinged off other people's um, internet access to uh, to make phone calls. So it was peer to peer. Who owns Skype now? Microsoft. And I'm fairly certain it's driven off servers rather than peer-to-peer. Uh, and, and it's also become <laughs> typical Microsoft that designed it in such a way that you're desperately looking for an alternative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, what That's was... What using, of course. Yeah. So what started is almost subversive. It's a way of uh, avoiding the tolls of phone companies. It's now become part of the mainstream. I suspect the same thing's going to happen here, isn't it? I think so.
All right. Good to talk as always, Steve. Uh, we'll catch you again. You, know, you do realise there's going to be a whole load of crypto uh, uh, fanatics who are going to respond to this one. I'm not going to be ducking virtual knives for the rest of the rest of the month. Yeah, I'm used to it. <laughs> Thank God they're only virtual. We'll survive. Indeed. Uh, yeah. We'll yeah. Be back My balls fight. have been virtually cut off. <laughs> uh, we'll be back to fight another one. All right. We'll see you next time. And speaking of next time, we're going to look at uh, the question of whether skilling up can improve productivity. If we send more people into higher education, is that going to improve the level of productivity within this country? That's next time on the Debunking Economics podcast with Professor Steve Keane. I'm Phil Dobby. I'll be back for that one, too. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you've enjoyed listening to Debunking Economics, uh, even if you haven't, you might also enjoy the Y-Curve. Each week, Roger Hearing and I talk to a guest about a topic that is very much in the news that week. It's lively, it's fun, it's informative. What more could you want? So search the Y-Curve in your favourite podcast app or go to ycurve.com to listen.